one, yeah. I, I need to read the manga on that. That's cute. It is the Super Clash Podcast, a podcast about shorter games. It is episode 60. I'm your host, Kale. Good morning, it's Connor. Yeah, uh, it's not really in the morning now. It's kind of the morning. It's for our audience, man. I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> it's, it's noon for us, which is still the earliest we've ever recorded because we're actually recording on a Saturday, which I don't remember the last time we ever recorded on a Saturday. It's been a while. I think we've done a Monday. We have done a couple Mondays, but yeah. how was your week, Connor? Uh, a little bit busy, honestly. Yeah? Just kind of, it was hard to time hard to find time for everything yeah I, I i feel that it's been hot as balls this last week man oh yeah you mean yesterday at the time of this recording um we had a heat wave the heat index was like 105 degrees and here i am working in a warehouse and man i've probably emptied my water jug probably four times Jeez, it was that fucking hot i know i've been feeling kind of like off and on a little bit lightheaded this week mm -hmm. and that's just because i don't i'm like trying to like drink water and stuff throughout the day but i'm just like maybe not getting enough you yeah, know maybe which made me sad because like the past weekend felt really good at least down at the lake i went down to see my parents uh last weekend i brought kiva and it was just really nice to be able to see my parents and sit on the dock i did some fishing for a while and Nice. Um, Kiva got along with my parents' dog, Aria, fairly, fairly well. There were two spats they got into. Uh, first one is when we first got there, and um, I was still in the Frisbee, and both of them went for the Frisbee. They got in a little bit of a tussle there, but mm. they were fine for the rest of the time. And then another time, we just sat down to eat dinner, and then they got into another tussle. No blood was drawn. I think um, they were just trying to assert dominance on one another. Yeah. But other than that, they were great. That's good. This week, however, I got nothing. Really? No. It, it. I literally just worked, and aside from that, we. Oh yeah, we did get ice cream. Yeah, this, we did this uh, on uh, this week, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we tried out the new uh, uh, Nintendo Cold Stone ice mm -hmm. cream crossover things. Yeah, it was the first time I had Cold Stone in a while. Same here, which it, it was very sugary. My oh goodness. Oh my gosh. I I couldn't have it because it was almost too sweet. Like the chocolate ice cream with the whipped cream, strawberries, and bananas. Like I was getting like a headache from how much sugar there was. So I kind of had to eventually just kind of stop halfway through. But yeah, well, they what had can you the, do? the Animal Crossing, the Kirby, and the Mario Party ice creams. Mm -hmm. And the Mario Party one had freaking icing in it, like cake icing. And ugh. I'm still like thinking about that makes me like kind of my stomach kind of hurt. Ugh, yeah, but it's too much. But it was just fun just sitting outside for we we sat out there for almost three hours just talking. Yeah, we stayed a <laughs> we stayed till they closed and they were <laughs> kicking us out basically. And we were living uh reliving past traumas of our lives, the uh, core memories. <laughs> oh, don't think about those. Don't think about those. <laughs> like I said, Connor, I I do think core memories are the ones you relive before you die. You know, when your life flashes before your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So all the, all that trauma is going to come back when you die, Connor. Oh, that's the worst then. Yeah. You think you'd be reliving the the day you got married and the when you played your first video game and the day you got you got your animals, which those might still be there. Those are core memories, but 
those bad chord memories are still going to be there. The one time you said something cringe in high school and everybody oh laughed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk about something else, Cotter. Tell me about um, tell me about Comey. Actually, uh, Comey can't communicate. Um, I've only have read the manga. I finished the first volume a couple days ago, and I just started the um, the second volume. Nice. So I I know that you were kind of drawn away from it because you weren't too crazy about the animation. Yeah, I had been putting off watching slash reading this for a long time just because the art style is not really my cup of tea. It kind of reminds me of like an early 2000s anime style a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I finally, just because I thought the whole concept of it was really cute, I was like, all right, I'm going to start the anime. And I started watching the first few episodes. I liked it a lot. I went out and bought the first couple volumes of the manga as well have not read those just yet, but um, my wife and I finished the first season of Comey um, uh, a day or two ago, I want to say, mm-hmm. and it's really cute. It's got some like kind of weird moments. Yeah, I'm, yeah, because there's one moment in it, because I, I was expecting this to be a full-on slice, slice of life, slice of life. Um, full disclosure, I have not seen the anime. I wanted to read most of the mangas first before I um, watched the anime. I just want to do something different here. I was not expecting for there to be a yandere yeah. in this story. Um, that's the point I've, I've I've gotten to. That's in the second volume. I'm not sure what episode that, that is on the anime. It's like the second or third. Really? They, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have a lot of reading before I wrap up the first season. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um. But I was not expecting that. Everything up to that point was pretty wholesome um, and really cute, especially when um, Comey calls uh, Takano, I think is, his, is the main character's name. Tadano, I think. Tadano. And she can speak a little bit, but not much. I thought that was really cute and wholesome. And when they got to see her room, I thought it was cute and wholesome. And Oh, yeah. And then out of nowhere, this yandere com- comes in. Um, kidnaps Todano. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does go a little weird and off the rails at times. But I think as you get further and further into it, um, you'll kind of start... This I don't think this is spoilers. You'll start seeing more of a sort of romance forming between the two main characters. So that's that's it gets really cute. And... Uh, one of the other classmates ends up like picking up on this and is trying to like put them in scenarios where they'll like, you know, uh, be with each other. I think I remember something something like that to where I think it, there were there were hints of that. It felt like in the uh, in the manga when they were hanging out in Comey's room and the one character went out to go, quote, use the bathroom, but she was looking in and watching them interact. So, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm start I'm starting to think that she's gonna be the one that's gonna start putting them in, in scenarios to kind of get them to admit feelings for each other. There's another character too who oh, yeah? does that as well, um, and she's real fun to be around too. Cause like at first you kind of think that this girl has feelings for uh, Tadano, like as like a main character. You know, he I don't know like. 
it seems like they're going to set it up for him to have like multiple love interests. But then when she notices like Comey getting kind of like uh, jealous, she's like, oh, so this is what's going on. Oh, I'm getting involved in this thing. Actually, oh. I'm going to help <laughs> Comey out. And, you know, so kind of a cute thing. Good. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, the manga is a super easy read. Oh yeah. I um, I've I've discovered actually that mangas in general are really easy to read. They are. There are some that are a little bit um. I don't want to say like tough to read, but a little bit more text heavy. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my youth romantic comedy is wrong as expected. A long title, I know. Uh, I'm looking at one of those over there on my shelf, and those are very text-heavy, I think. The manga um, for Komi seems to be pretty fa- fairly balanced. There, there's a couple of panels to where it's just um, no dialogue. It's just the uh, the pictures. Yeah. They kind of, to kind of soak in, uh, for, for the reader to kind of s- to soak in the emotion of the situation, which is good. Um, that and Comey doesn't talk. So yeah, and so it, all of it needs to be displayed through facial expressions. And in the manga, uh, I don't know if this if this is displayed in the anime. Um, whenever she's really stressed out, her eyes get really big, and she and her, starts to shiver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just all around really cute. Or when she's like excited about something, she gets cat ears that come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are so cute. <laughs> but overall, I I love the manga. I'm gonna try to maybe read at least ten volumes. I don't know. I don't know how many They're volumes wrap 22 up. Twenty-two so far. Twenty-two. Do you think that'll wrap up the first season? I think it's gone past that. Okay, I'd be really interested, especially since um, the Yandri is only in the second or third episode. And how many episodes um, is the first season? Twelve. Twelve. So my assumption would be possibly somewhere around volume six of the manga might be where the first season ends maybe, okay if i had to guess cool so all right now that's enough for for comey for now uh but um real quickly connor tell me about the summer anime the, su- the summer anime thing that you were telling me off the air so there it just started a brand new season of anime so the previous season is either just wrapping up or wrapped up a week or so ago for a lot of anime seasons. So, for instance, the most current season of Komi that was airing literally just got its final episode. Um, so that season ended. A new one started. And some, like, the three standouts for me this season um, are going to be Rent-A-Girlfriend Season 2 is out. Um, Dan Machi, or Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, gets its fourth season i believe lily was was telling me about that i'm interested in it i think you'd like that one it it's not quite as slapstick as konosuba but it has a lot of like funny stuff in it um and it's set in that kind of fantasy world okay um and then the other one which is a high dive exclusive is when will ayumu make his move it's made by the same people who made teasing master takagi-san okay and it takes place uh in high school where there's a i want to say she's like a senior and he is like a junior or sophomore or whatever the the main boy ayumu and he joins a shogi club with his senpai and she's like 
super short and like awkward and clumsy and stuff, but she's like a shogi master and he is kind of her opposite in every way. Like he's very athletic and good at most things, but he can never beat her at shogi. And he basically states like in the very beginning, like I'm not going to tell her my feelings for her until I can beat her at shogi. What's shogi? Uh, It is a, like a tabletop game where you have these uh, little pieces. It's very similar to like a chess scenario, I think. Okay. Uh, I don't know how to play it, but it looks cute. (laughs) Cool. All right. So today's episode where we have uh, two games, uh, Caller Juarez and uh, Little Nightmares. But before we get into those, Connor, let's get physical. Make me. Oh, I will. (laughs) Let me just turn off the recording here. I'm going to make a man out of Help you. Help me! <laughs> um, yeah, we have a lot of games this week. Oh, as really? opposed to the last few where we've had like one or two. Fuck yeah. So the first one, we were able to slip it in in time, is the Aerial Knights Never Yield. And that is $35, only on Switch, and it's a super rare exclusive. It says only 4,000 copies. But on their website, it said only 3,000 copies, so I'm not sure what to believe. Their Mm. Twitter said one thing, and their website said another. But regardless, limited. And it says, take the role of Wally, a mysterious character that has recovered what was taken from him. Having uncovered something that could change his city forever, he's now on the path to exposing the truth. Hopefully, you're fast enough to outrun your enemies. This game goes on sale on July 21st while supplies last. Nice. The next one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. This is $35, available on Switch, PS4, and Xbox One, and it's a somewhat wide release. I think it's kind of a limited run games thing, but I've seen it on Amazon and and stuff as well. Um, It it says uh, it features groundbreaking gameplay rooted in timeless classic brawling mechanics. Brought to you by the beat-em-up experts at .mu, uh, who made Streets of Rage 4 and Tribute Games. Bash your way through gorgeous pixel art environments and slay tons of hellacious enemies with your favorite turtle, each with his own skills and moves, making each run unique. A classic edition is also available from Limited Run Games and includes a steelbook, art booklet, VHS tape box, stickers, and a Pizza Hut coupon. There's a big box version for PC that's available. Includes the game on CD and USB, a steelbook, a mouse pad, stickers, and a Pizza Hut coupon. And then there's a Radical Edition available for $200. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Includes an uh, action figure packaging, steelbook, deluxe playset style box, mini arcade cabinet replica, soundtrack CD, art booklet, VHS tape box, strategy guide, poster, 3D shadow box, exclusive action figure, stickers, and a Pizza Hut coupon. And the pre-orders for that one end July 24th. So is this a brand new Teenage Mutant, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, or is this like a, a, re, a remake of a previous game? I think it's a new one. Interesting. But just done in the style of the old ones. Okay. So it's been getting really good reviews. Sweet. The next one is Dragon Lapis. It's $35. Available on PS5 and PS4, but the PS4 is sold out at this time. It's a limited run games exclusive. And it says, make a return to the golden age of RPGs with 8-bit graphics and chiptunes. By unlocking growth plates, characters are able to strengthen parameters, learn skills, and increase job rank. Master multiple jobs and live an adventure full of challenge 
and Dungeons to Explore. Pre-orders in July 24th. All right. The next one is Raiden 4 X Mikado Remix and Raiden 5 Director's Cut Dual Pack. It's a mouthful. It's $50. It's only on Switch. Limited Run Games exclusive. It says arcade hit Raiden first left its mark on the shooting genre 25 years ago. The easy-to-learn, hard-to-master series comes to the Nintendo Switch in its most modern and advanced form yet. Join the war for Earth's future, where the tide of battle holds constant surprises. Pre-orders in July 24th. Oh, man, we still got so many more. I'm jammed. <laughs> Jesus. Then, I there know. There's a lot. Fuck. So if you want games, you're going to spend a lot this month. Oh, yeah. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It's $60. It's only on Switch, and it's a wide release. It says, live to fight and fight to live in a warring world with a dark secret. Join Noah and Milo, or Noah and Mio, members of two opposing nations at the center of this conflict, on a heartfelt journey to end the cycle of violence. A group of six characters from these nations join together to awaken the colonies of Aeonios to the underlying threat both nations face. Traverse massive, fantastical sci-fi landscapes as you expose the true enemy pulling the strings behind the conflict. A special edition was available directly from Nintendo, but has sold out. It included a steelbook, special edition box, and hardcover art book. Releases July 29th. Have you played any of the Xenoblade Chronicles games? I tried playing uh, the one on the Wii U. I think it was X, but mm -hmm. I didn't get very far. Is it a turn-based game, or is it like a hack and slash? Mm -hmm. I think the latter. I can't remember. It was a long time ago that I played I, I remember it. a lot of people recommending it. Um, for people who are waiting for Elden Ring to come out, but that's that's the only thing I know about it. I don't even know if they're even remotely related. No, I think they're a lot different. Yeah, but, but uh, who knows? Yeah, the next one is Digimon Survive, sixty dollars available on Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. It's a wide release. This tactical RPG video game focuses on storytelling and turn-based battles. Takuma Momozuka goes on a school camping trip only to find himself transported to a mysterious world full of monsters and danger. Join Takuma and Agumon as you craft your story and fight your way back home in Digimon Survive. Releases July 29th. And then the last two are Evercade games. Mm. We don't have a lot of these. Uh, so the first one is the Jaleco Arcade Collection 1. It's $20, only on Evercade. It's a wide release. It says the Jaleco Arcade 1 cartridge for Evercade features eight arcade games from Jaleco's arcade heyday in the 80s and 90s, including Rodland, St. Dragon, Earth Defense Force, Avenging Spirit, 64th Street, A Detective Story, Cyber Battler, P-47, The Phantom Fighter, and Astianax. Uh, releases July 29th. Nice. And final game is the Galeco Arcade Collection 2. $20, only on Evercade. It's a wide release. The Gyoko Arcade 2 cartridge for Evercade features six action-packed arcade games from Spanish developer Gyoko, featuring hack-and-slash platformer Big Karnak, sci-fi platformer TH Strikes Back, high-speed racing game World Rally 2, and more. Releases July 29th. Man, so many games. Ooh, that took it out of me. Uh, do you do we do you need to to loosey goosey Loose, a little bit? Loosey goosey. I'm gonna take a drink here. Mm, take a drink as well. Precious. <sighs> All right, so let's move on to our games then. Um, let's start with Call of Juarez. 
Gunslinger. This, Gunslinger. Thank you. Uh, this is developed by Techland, which surprised me. Didn't Techland uh, de- make uh, Dying Light? Yes. Yes, they did. Um, so I was not expecting um, them to make something like this. Uh, it was released in 2013 on the PC, 360, and PS3, and then later released in 2019 on the Switch. You can generally beat this in about five hours. Um, you play as a bounty hunter named Silas as he tells the story of capturing and squaring off Wild West legends while drinking in a saloon. And that's kind of how the story is, is told, where a bunch of people gather around him in a saloon and he tells his story. And the levels will change um, and sometimes reverse completely depending on Silas telling the story, which yeah. is it's, it's a very interesting way of presenting a game. Um, this is a first person shooter with some RPG elements and even has a little bit of um, bullet storm elements in it to where you get points for kills. Yeah. It's not the center of it. Like you get extra points for headshots or blowing up. Um, dynamite out of the air or blowing up an explosive barrel getting multiple kills so there's elements of that in there but um there's a bullet time um concentration is what they call it yeah and they have two interesting mechanics in it to where um if you're one hit away from dying you have a chance to dodge that bullet that will kill you and there's also a dual mode your your classic um uh, this ain't ta- this town ain't big enough for the two of us, and you have to have the quickest draw. Yeah, and you can kind of draw early and get a dishonorable kill. Which who cares? Like I don't. It it doesn't really make a difference on how the game uh, turns out. Really, I don't. At least nothing that I saw. I would assume it's just tied to like achievements, probably. But who cares? You're 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 killing a bad guy. Like there is no honor in the, in that. <laughs> yeah, it's honorable just to get rid of him. Exactly. <laughs> So, my thoughts on this game, I I liked the cel-shaded look. Um, when I first heard about this game and was interested in this game, I didn't realize it was a um, it, it was a cel-shaded style, um, which I was pleasantly surprised at. Um, however, there's there's a really big caveat to this game that Connor and I noticed. If you play this game, wholeheartedly recommend to play it on the Switch. Yes. Because I think they did something with the game on the Switch in order for it to look better and perform better. Connor played it on the PS3. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I was kind of questioning things at first. And, and, maybe, and for a while, he thought he was crazy. Because when I showed him pictures on my Switch, he was like, yeah, my game does not look that good. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. It wasn't until we got together a couple nights ago to play like side by side is when i saw just how bad this game looks on ps3 yeah it's it's a rough game like uh so normally i do find the cell shaded art style nice and appealing but i think it just does not work in its current state on ps3 at least like it's it becomes immediately muddy. So, like, I couldn't make out backgrounds from characters half the time. The constant, constant screen tearing was awful to look at. No anti-aliasing. No anti-aliasing. And 
the frame rate at times would just drop to probably just single digits. Mm-hmm. Like it was just bad. Like this game for a while was giving me a headache to play. That's how poorly this game performs mm-hmm. on PS3. And which is a shame because there are such good moments in this game. Like once I kind of got an idea of how this game played, uh, there are moments in in it to where it felt really good to shoot and kill enemies. It's just the problem is, is that they don't, the art style doesn't make the enemies distinct enough from the environment for you to easily pick them out. Correct. Um, it's not like Borderlands where like the first Borderlands has a pretty like ugly color texture for the most part, at least in the early games. But those enemies look and move distinct enough to where you can pick them out from a distance. And oftentimes in Borderlands, you're playing in like a desert scape. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in this game, there's a ton of grass and foliage and stuff. So you have those dark cell shade lines mm-hmm. on on all the trees, all the grass, on the buildings, on the characters, and it just kind of just blends together into an awful-looking experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm, curi- I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. I want to see when the first Borderlands came out. Um, 2009. Okay, so never mind. I Because I was about to say that Call of War... Actually, no. Call of War has no excuse for it to be as muddy as it is. It's because it was released in 2013. Yeah, and Call of Juarez isn't even like an open world game. It might as well be an on rail shooter. Yeah, and we talked about that too, where I think this game in some moments would have fared better as an on rail shooter. I agree. I definitely think they could have done that. And with how clunky the controls are at times, it probably would have performed a lot better. Oh yeah. For real. Um and the guns never really felt that powerful. Honestly, like, like I'm shooting with a with a lever action rifle, like center of mass, like three and take still take some like six shots to go down. Yeah, I don't know what's up with these early games and enemies being bullet sponges. It's almost as if it's like, oh, we got to make this game harder. Let's just make give the enemies more health. No, that doesn't make a game harder. It just makes it more annoying. Yeah, and there's a lot of times too in that game where there's just there's no cover. Oh, my God. Like, they will drop you in front of a bunch of guys and be like, oh, get fucked. Like, you know, it's... And there's something else about this, too. And this is something I noticed this morning when I was playing is there was a tooltip at the bottom saying the uh, the paper tears. Like, you know, when you get shot, there's like like bullet holes that would appear on your screen. Um, The tooltip said that those paper ta- tears tell you the direction in which you're being shot, that's compl- That's a complete lie. Yeah. That is a complete lie. That tooltip should not be there. Um, and, e- and even then, the little red bar that tells you the direction you're being shot doesn't help either. No. Because there's a lot of times where the enemy is shooting you from above. Yes. And there is no indication to tell you that. Um, this is, for the most part, basic game design. One of the hardest things to do is to tell the player to look up. And so something needs to be there to incentivize the player to look up. And so far, there, there's really nothing. I mean, yeah. I mean, in some of the train levels, you're, you're going through train cars. And yeah, the train cars have hatches in them, but there's nothing indicating to look up. Like, okay, it's a 
hatch on a train car. What's so significant about that? Yeah, your your spatial awareness in that game is just so low all the time. And I think the bad performance, coupled with the fact that every time you're shot, your screen gets harder to see on. So it's already a hard game to look at. Your, your spatial awareness is pretty low to begin with. And they make matters worse by, you know, making your screen visibility go down the more you're shot at. Mm-hmm. So there's times where I literally was like, I can't fucking see. I can't see anything. And I tried to make it better. I will say if you're going to play this game on one of the older consoles, maybe grab this. Maybe invest in an M Classic, which is a device that you could hook up to the HDMI cable and feed into your game system that adds uh, upscaling, anti-aliasing, anti-aliasing, and sharpness. That's interesting. Let me see that. Yeah. I have one of those, and I put it on, and I would say while it didn't fix everything, it probably made it about 50% better. Cool. I'm interested in this. Yeah, it works on like pretty much any 1080p or lower console. Interesting. And see, that's actually interesting you brought that up because while I was watching you play the game, I suggested that maybe if we scaled your TV down to 720, it would fix the, at least the screen tearing. Yeah. And I think where the game had its worst moment uh, was actually after you left. And I played and reached the final level, which is after you beat Chapter 8, you go back to Chapter 7, and you have to fight the ghosts of all of these, like, outlaws. And uh, Just when you thought the visibility of the enemies couldn't get any worse. Yeah, they're translucent. And they put you in the middle of a graveyard with no cover. And they send six or more of them at you at a time. I died so many times. And the save points were very... They had been generous up until that point. Not anymore. They were just like, oh, you gotta restart the whole sequence. And I was screaming at my screen. Because you could not see the enemies. They can walk through cover because they're ghosts. And it seemed like at times they were shooting through what little cover they were on the tombstones. Mm. So it was just death, 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 death. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why? Why did why do games have to make the last level of the game trash? Especially especially those early games. Like I think they've gotten better um as games evolved, but the ga- some are games between like um, two thousand. I would say two thousand eight to two thousand fifteen is when is they they they've had that issue. A lot of games, not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah. But there's there's one thing I forgot to mention about this game early on is this game does have RPG elements. Like you can level, like you can level up, um, your character, gain XP, and I would say at best the upgrades that you get are mild yeah i I don't feel any more powerful um at level one than i did like level 12 yeah and the gun upgrades they might get more power but it just seems mostly cosmetic exactly um it's like it claims like one of the pistols that you get does like 15 percent accurate excuse me uh 15 accuracy i don't really notice anything it's it's 
it still feels like the enemies go down with the same amount of bullets as you did without upgrading them. Yeah. Which, here's the thing. If the difference in you leveling up is negligible, don't have an RPG element in it. Yeah. Simple as that. Just make it an automatic Exactly. Thing. Overall, like, even though there were some good moments in, in this game, I would generally give this game maybe a 6 out of 10. I think on PS3, I got to give it a 5. Yeah. I liked the story a lot. That was its only saving grace, though. Mm. The controls, the visuals, and the performance were all awful on PS3. Yeah. It may be a different experience on PC, and it definitely was a different experience on Switch. So, Even though I, st- I still... C- it's really funny. I still can't quite wrap my head around the um, AXBY buttons on Switch because Xbox is so ingrained in my head that whenever I see B, I immediately go for the um, uh, which the uh, the right button. Mm. So, so and anytime we had those quick time events, I I would fuck it up because I'm so used to Xbox. Jeez. Which that's not the game's fault. That's that's purely my fault. But oh yeah, I'm just bad at video games. Yeah, we know, we know. <laughs> it, it it would be, and which we'll get into with it with our next game, which is Little Nightmares. Uh, this is developed by Tarsier Studios, released in 2017 on the PC, PS4, and Xbox, and then 2018 on the Switch, and then 2020 on the Stadia. You can generally beat this in about three and a half hours. Um, In Little Nightmares, you play as a nine-year-old girl nicknamed Six, who dreams of a woman wearing a uh, kimono, and she seeks her out aboard the Maw, an underwater vessel. Okay. I actually had to Google what the story was, because um, Connor and I, we played this game earlier, and we kind of fell off of it, and then we figured that this show would be a good reason to kind of get back into it and finish it, so... Full disclosure, we kind of jumped into this game about halfway through. Even but, still. Yeah. Um, this is a two, 2.5D platformer where you solve puzzles while being pursued by grotesque monsters. As you go on, you it seems your character experiences hunger. And these are just story beat, beat moments. Like I don't think there's anything that um, hinders you from any chase scenes with your hunger. I don't think so. But and then there's every once in a while you see like gnomes that you can find. They'll you kind of see them scuttle around around the level and everything. Yeah, I think those are just Easter eggs and collectibles, basically. Yeah. Um, you can also find lanterns that you can light. Uh, I think those serve as, as manual checkpoints. Yeah. The game the game auto saves pretty uh, generously. I think those lanterns are just an extra way to kind of save certain certain points of the game. Yeah. So, my thoughts of this game, I absolutely love the look of this game, the aesthetic of the game. The monster design is incredible. Mm-hmm. And, first thing, are we small or, or are these guys just really huge? I don't know. I don't know if we ever I, know. I think that's left up to interpretation. I, I generally think um, six, I like the idea of six being normal size of a nine-year-old girl and these monsters being huge i find that much scarier yeah personally so and the puzzles are pretty well thought out without being cheap they're subtle enough to where it takes some thinking but they're not they don't pull an ever forward and be like i never would have thought about that 
Yeah. Um, which with which ever forwards kind of our bar when it comes to puzzle games. Yeah, that poor studio. They're gonna be compared for a long time until we play a worse game. <laughs> yeah. Um so however, despite all these good things that we're gonna talk about with little nightmares, I wanna say something. Like Call of Juarez, there is a recommended console to play this game on. Do not play this game on switch yes because i think the whole point of this game is for you to die a lot trial and error until you kind of figure it out absolutely as a result the load times for the switch is god awful um we timed it 45 seconds 45 seconds for a single portion of a level it could be a single room that requires very little time to load 45 seconds and this game was running directly off the cartridge we verified it yeah and so when you have a game to where you need to kind of do trial and error a 45 second load time is punishing and it's it's frustrating there are times where connor and i played because we played this game side to side i i came over to his house and we would switch off every once in a while we, we, we figured it'd be kind of a cool switch up to kind of experience the game at the same time. But there were times we were trying to figure out how the puzzle works where we would load literally five seconds dead. And then we had to sit through another 45 second load screen. Yeah. We spent, Josh, three or four hours playing mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. And for a three hour game. Yeah. And we had, for, for reference, we had already played the first two chapters of the game already. Mm-hmm. So... If you totaled that all out, we probably spent, gosh, eight or more hours on this game. Yeah, over the period of time we played it, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but despite all of that, though, this game was a lot of fun. I liked the the creepy story. Mm-hmm. The only real complaints I had were the load times, and at times the controls were a bit clunky. Yeah, um, it it take took me a long time to kind of understand how the controls work. Um, I I, may, I sometimes got the crouch and um, the grab mixed up mm-hmm. because I think by design, six moves slowly to kind of up that tension. Yes. And a lot of times I forgot that you could sprint in this game. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> that that's more me me than anything. But this the which honestly I don't think the sprint makes that much of a difference. Did you notice any difference in speed? It does. Yeah. yeah. You you definitely run faster. But, oh, man. I It makes me want to play the second game because we played a little bit of the second game. And the load screens on the PS5 were instantaneous. Yeah. So it's nowhere near punishing. But this game, despite everything, I want to try to play this game again on my own. I want to experience this game in full with, like, like how what's the word i'm looking for without a such a big break in between yeah and i mean if you really want to play it again with probably much better load times i have a copy of it on pc on steam Ooh, okay but and we, we're family sharing right now so there's yeah. my chance to just p- plug in my xbox controller and go exactly so but uh but this game was so good i love this game like this I think the scariest part of of this game was one when Mr. Grabby Hands, which I actually looked up on the on the uh, 
Squeaky, his name is the janitor. Okay. But he's Mr. Grabby Hands. To yeah, us. to us he's Mr. Grabby Hands because he's he has a very short stature but super long arms. Yes. And so like re- like really gangly arms too. Oh yeah, they're like three times his body length. And he's blindfolded too, so he operates just on sound. Yes. And it took us a long time for him to kind of figure out like um the monkey with the symbols throwing that and then t- then timing that. Um but there was a moment for me where um, you were like in some pipes and there were holes on the wall. You would pass the first hole um, and nothing would happen. And my adrenaline was still going. Mm-hmm. I passed the second hole. He reaches in, grabs me and pulls me in. And you screamed. <laughs> I did. I screamed like a little. I, I shouldn't say that. I screamed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the scariest moment for me was when we saw the geisha for the first time. Oh yeah, her and, her little humming. Yes, and you're like have to sneak behind her, and then the game you can like hear your heartbeat, mm-hmm. and she's just humming and brushing her hair, and it's like and uh. and, you, and doing nothing at all, and it turns out that she's ethereal. Yes, and they fuck with you hard, and this this is the final moments of the of the game. No spoil like this. This game doesn't doesn't have a big enough story to where there's spoilers really. Um, really, the spoilers, and I say that in in quotes, is just the scares. Yes. But what they, but anyway, they fuck with you hard with this woman because she can just appear. They have mannequins strategically placed to make you think that she's in one of the, those corners, and that's actually one of the big um things about her boss fight. Yeah. And I think the boss fight. And the end was actually really good in this game. Mm-hmm. It was satisfying because the ending is is because she's ethereal. If you point a mirror at her, it it hurts her. Mm-hmm. And so, when you when you play through the game, there's times where your hunger overtakes you, and you would have to eat something. And six eats more and more grotesque things as as the story progresses like rats and and the and what the gnome yeah it's offering you a sausage and instead you eat it yeah and we were like what the fuck yeah i know it was messed up but and then you eat her at the end and then you gain her abilities and all those grotesque which grotesque monsters which the wiki says that the they're called visitors okay um the the group that chase that chases you Mm -hmm. as they were eating you start like picking them up and killing them as you as you just walk down the hallway as an unstoppable monster. Yeah, it was super satisfying. It makes the second game a lot more interesting because that character shows back up in the second game, mm-hmm. but I don't think that at least what we've played of the second game, I don't think she's shown any powers yet. But maybe eventually she does. Yeah, I'm. I I really want to play this game. I'm almost tempted to after we're done recording to go go back down and play a little <laughs> bit of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, I would give this game like an eight, and and the and I I would give this game a higher score because I think this game does deserve a higher score. The problem is, is just we played it on the Switch, and I just, that's why I have to give it an eight. I'd have to even be more mean to it. I'd have to give it probably a six on the Switch. I if if you played it on any other platform where it loaded faster, yes, I'd agree at the eight. On the Switch, it's like a six because we were just constantly frustrated sitting there waiting a full 45 seconds for this mm-hmm. game to load. 
how would this game be if we were if we had an edible before? Do you think this game would be scarier? Uh, we would have a much harder time playing. <laughs> these, these puzzles would be much more challenging. But yeah, those are the two games that that we were. Yeah, those are the two games. I I I feel so bad. I was I was so ready to come in where I'm well rested and I'm just I guess I'm just forever brain dead. Well, you know, I'm used to it. Yeah, my durable brain, my ADHD. But next week we have um. I guess some classic games. I, I've never seen um, Demetrios. I never heard of Demetrios. It's not that old, but it, it's an, a little bit older of a game. But I'm excited to play Renegade. Yep. So, so Demetrios and Renegade is our next week's games. And that'll just about do it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you guys next time.